Welcome to Five to Thrive, five strategies to equip and empower educators, parents, and students to thrive. And here are your hosts, Dr. Rhoda and Professor Marty. In today's episode, we are going to continue the conversation on attributes. And one of the attributes that we're going to talk about today, the attribute that we're going to talk about today, came from you, the listener. And the attribute is humility. So pause and think about the word humility. What does it mean? How would you define it? How you would teach it? And now that you have those ideas, uh, Dr. Rhoda is going to step in and, and walk us all through different things to consider as we approach the topic, humility. I love this topic, and I am so excited and grateful that Sarah suggested it. So Sarah, shout out to you. Thank you for suggesting that these are one of the attributes. Remember, this comes from our little series we did a couple podcasts ago about 10 things that require zero talent. And we had a list of 10 things, and none of them take talent, but they all take motivation and energy. Things like being on time, body language, showing up with energy, uh, those types of things. And so we had a podcast about that. And then we asked our viewers to, to share with us their ideas. Uh, last year, last week we talked about passion and another one that Sarah, one of our listeners suggested was humility. So just love this topic. And, but it's one of those things that's been a head scratcher that I've really thought about all week long because you get it, but how, Mm -hmm. like what, what exactly is it? How do you define it? How do you intentionally share it? So it's one I've really put a lot of thought into this week, and it's been fun. And, and I think particularly uh, for teachers, uh, this is a topic that we really wrestle with. Yeah, mm -hmm. How do we appropriately show it? Yeah. Yeah, when do we cross the line and don't show enough humility? And, and so it's very pertinent because uh, how we address it as teachers and parents, for that matter, uh, greatly impacts the, the kids entrusted to us. Yeah. So as we start thinking a little bit more about this, most definitions, when you look up humility, look up definitions, there's something around, something similar to a modest opinion or estimate of one one's own importance or rank. Humility is often thought to occur in the absence of pride or pridefulness. Scripture talks about being humble and not being boastful. If we have anything to boast about, it's in the Lord. It's not in ourselves. But it seems like there's always this tension to manage. We want to be confident in the gifts God has given us. He's given us these gifts, and we're supposed to develop them and steward them. And there's a, there's a self-efficacy and a confidence that comes with that and how we use them. But we want to be careful that it doesn't cross over into being all about us and all about our gifts. I like to think of it as being grateful for my gifts, but not using them solely for my own gain. Yeah, it's a really timely topic because uh, two of my kids are working on resumes. Mm -hmm. You know, they're in high school mm -hmm. looking for jobs, Fun. securing jobs. And it is really interesting how they approach, you know, what do you put on the resume? What don't you put? And, and, and some of the traits that, you know, I think are very strong that they have, gifts from the Lord, they don't recognize the need to put those down. Yeah. Uh, but they don't understand the, the person across from them has no idea who they are. Right, right. So, so Wisconsin Lutheran College is a Strengths Quest campus. We, with all of our incoming freshmen, we do something called Strengths Quest, and it helps them see like five natural strengths that they have. 
and one of the reasons, there's many reasons we do this, but one of the reasons we do this is when we were talking to our alumni about their transition out of college into the workforce and through the interviewing process, what went well, what didn't, how did they feel prepared, how didn't they feel prepared? And it's just fascinating because the number one way they told us they didn't feel prepared was that question when they're asked, so tell us about your strengths. How do I talk about my strengths in a confident way without sounding arrogant? right? And isn't that humility, right? So again, I like to think of it as we have gifts, but we're not using them solely for our own gain. But instead, how do we use our gifts to serve humanity? Probably my favorite thought on humility comes from one of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis. And he wrote, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but rather thinking of yourself less often, right? So I have gifts, but my gifts aren't just for my use and it's not all about me. Why is this important? If you look at antonyms, you know, synonyms are words that mean the same thing. Antonyms are words that mean opposite. That's one of the easier ways to, to approach this as I was thinking about it. Some words that mean the opposite of humility would be prideful, haughty, superior, arrogant. I think narcissistic oftentimes comes to mind. Mm -hmm. When you think of people who are narcissistic, they exaggerate and promote their own importance. They're preoccupied with the fantasies of their own beauty and success or intelligence. They oftentimes believe that they're superior to others. They demand attention and admiration. They have a sense of entitlement and oftentimes take advantage of other people and really show a lack of empathy. It's all about them. Mm -hmm. That's the furthest you can get from humility, right? And so that kind of helps us just think about it a little bit. We don't want our children growing up to be narcissistic, where it's all about them and everything is self-serving. As I said, it's not bad to be confident, but we need to temper confidence with humility. And again, I don't want to diminish our gifts and abilities. It's okay to take pride. I, I mentioned pride being the opposite of humility. And I, I think it's more prideful is the opposite of humility. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with being proud of putting forth a really faithful effort of going out and playing you know, if you're a child on the, the court and you play a really, really good basketball game, you you gave it everything and you lost and you're proud of how you presented. You're proud of what you did or you won, right? Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with that kind of pride. There's nothing wrong with, you know, getting a really good grade and being proud of the effort that you put into that and what you did. There's nothing wrong with being proud of your spouse or your children or your students. That's a beautiful thing to take pride in these, these gifts that we have. I always like to think of it as a healthy tension. Mm -hmm. you, you want both, mm -hmm. but depending on the circumstance, uh, you're going to stress one over the other. And, and you talk about you know athletics, basketball. I just think you know over the years watching uh, my own kids mm -hmm. uh, have some great coaches through the way. From you know initially starting with meltdowns to now being graceful if they win or if they lose, yeah. a lot of maturity comes along with with the experiences. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, it really does seem to be a matter of the heart, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. It's just you know, man looks at the outward appearance, the Lord looks at the heart. What's in your heart? Are you doing these things because it's all about you and what you can gain, or are you doing these things you know, being a good steward and enjoying your gifts. So in an article in Forbes magazine back in October of 2017, they reported 17 reasons pride will get you ahead. Now this is aimed at adults and in particular adults in leadership, but I believe there are some points here that are relevant for our discussion. So I'm not going to talk about all 17, but, but we can discuss a couple about why is pride good? I'm, I'm sorry, why is pride? Why is humility good? And number one, the, one of the things they said, it will allow you to learn, right? So now that's an important one on the topic it, since we're talking to, to teachers and to parents about helping kids thrive. So it's going to allow you to learn how does being humble play a part in allowing us to learn or be teachable? 
humility is an essential foundation to being able to admit we're not perfect and that we're going to benefit from reflecting on what we could do differently, how we could do things betterly, how we could do things betterly, how we could do things differently and better. Without humility, we're really wearing blinders that can get in the way of us improving or growing. And isn't it true, sometimes when you find your passion and you really start digging into a topic, you just continue to be you just continue to realize how little you know and just how how complex and you know, some of the Lord's designs are, are, are just simple, but yet on the surface. But then when you start digging into them, just so unbelievably complex. That is an excellent point. I just one of the th- things that just has become so clear to me as I as you get older, the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you can just there's always more out there. Another reason it's good is it leads to curiosity. If you realize that you don't know everything, then you're more willing to ask questions, be curious. And we certainly want our students to be curious. That's a part of learning. It allows others to connect with you, relate with you. It's good for relationships, right? Uh, When you're surrounded by uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure, it's good to know that you can connect with other people. Connection is rooted in being vulnerable and being able to laugh at yourself and to risk sharing a crazy idea and admit that you're wrong and be able to to uh, just talk to somebody else and have empathy for them when they mess up. And that ability to be humble helps us with our relationships with other people. Mm-hmm. It also helps hold us accountable. You know, when someone's really prideful or superior, they feel like they always have to be right. And when we always have to be right, we're not willing to learn because learning takes a growth mindset. And so oftentimes I've noticed when people are really, really prideful, if something's wrong, it's always somebody else's fault. And we have to be willing to take accountability for our own. Nobody's perfect. Nobody brings 100% all day, every day. Not this side of heaven. And the next one, it encourages a safe environment where we, where we can be vulnerable so we can grow those relationships. Again, in order to build strong relationships, we need to be vulnerable. In order to learn, we have to be vulnerable. So we need to be able to go out on a limb and feel safe asking questions and wondering. And so so what is so interesting to me is, so Dr. Rhoda here walks through just five reasons, the value of humility. And you read through these and you would think the topic of humility would be throughout the media, uh, throughout books, etc., just from all of these positive benefits. And yet it's a topic that we rarely, rarely talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And then just the last one, I've alluded to it a little bit here. I also think it can help lead to empathy. We can be humble. If we can be humble, it's easier to for ourselves to, to put ourselves in the shoes of someone else, so, to feel what it's like to go out on a limb, to feel what it's like to fail, to feel what it's like to struggle. So, so now that we know all of these benefits mm-hmm. and more, how do we go about teaching humility? <laughs> That's one that I really have been pondering and asking people about. And the way I like to think of it is how did... How did we learn the lesson? Mm -hmm. So I've been walking around campus all week asking people, how did you learn about humility? You know, you're a humble person. How did you become a humble person? If you have children, how how do you teach your children? And just kind of seeing what are some of the common answers I get. And to a person, every single one of them said it was modeled. That's how their parents taught it to them. It was modeled for them. Every single person I asked that came up. And I just, I remember a story, hearing my mother tell a story. My mom talks about when she was a young girl. So she grew up on a farm in Michigan. Money was tight. This would have been in the 40s and 50s. And they got one new outfit every year for school and one new pair of shoes, right? So one new outfit, one set of pair of shoes. And so she came down in her new dress and her new shoes and was just feeling like she was all it, right? And her mom said, wow, you look really nice. And she says, 
I know. And grandma just turned red and said, march right back up those stairs and change your clothes. A little harsh for an eight or nine year old kid, uh -huh. right? But mom learned the lesson 70 years later. She still talks about that. You do not compliment yourself. You know, you graciously accept a compliment and you say thank you. And really, I think that's kind of what, another thing that came up oftentimes in addition to modeling was it happens in the conversations around manners. Uh, here again, manners isn't something we necessarily talk a lot about. We just expect that parents will teach their children manners. How do you do it? What are those things you do? You know, what, again, you're modeling it, but you also sometimes need to be intentional and mm -hmm. you need to correct an approach when somebody treats somebody with disrespect, when somebody's mouthy, you know, and there again, you have to, you have to help them understand. And so we have to, as parents and teachers, think about this. How do we do this in our classrooms? And, and I think one of the challenges with that is, is it's messy. Mm -hmm. I mean, it takes time and it's not do A, then B, and you'll get the result C. And, and those teachable moments, I think oftentimes I and others miss just because in the back of our head, we're saying, oh, well, these other things I know have to be done. Yeah. And yet I think oftentimes I and others miss some of these great opportunities. I mean, humility is a life skill that goes well beyond your years in school. And yet we don't treat it like that with mm -hmm. the importance that I think it, it deserves. Yeah. So we're gonna model it for kids. We're gonna teach them some humility through teaching manners. Another conversation that came up, somebody suggested that they think they learned it through having a job, having a paper route, mowing lawns, babysitting, working at the grocery store, even having chores that they were responsible for in their house or around their farm. Um, those were ways that they learned not to be, as my grandma would have said, too big for your britches, mm -hmm. right? We're all going to have chores. Nobody's too good to clean the bathroom. Yeah. I think as an offshoot, it teaches appreciation. Yes, absolutely. Uh, be, be, because when you do get the job, the dream job, the some of those dreams in your life or successes, they're that much fuller yeah. because you, you realize kind of the path the Lord has taken you on. You realize how hard you have to work for mm -hmm. something, that it's not just, there's not an entitlement. Things won't just be handed to you, which I think is also kind of, all of these things kind of border on each other, right? They kind mm -hmm. of like are they all pieces of a fabric yeah. that are kind of woven together. Another topic that came up of a way that we can help young people learn humility is by being parts of teams, rather that's an athletic team where you're learning about sportsmanship. You mentioned that earlier. I mean, you know, you go from having the meltdowns to being, you know, gracious, to be a good winner or a good loser. Um, we learn that in sports, right? And, or learn not to be that way in sports. Being a part of a musical ensemble, learning to play an instrument, right? I mean, it takes some humility to make a clarinet sound good, right? I mean, that takes effort, that takes time. Violin, all these different instruments, like you gotta go through some not sounding really good before you get to the really good. Yeah, I never got out of that stage. <laughs> That teaches humility. And now imagine you're a part of an ensemble and you're in band and you have tryouts and you're second or third chair or your first chair. There are opportunities there to teach humility and lessons in humility as kids are part of a team and find, you know, they get to start on the team or they don't get to start. How does the kid who gets to start treat the kid who doesn't get to start? Mm -hmm. do, they, do they rub salt in the wound? Or, you know, I mean, you're part of a team and how those are such vital, vital lessons that we can teach through this. As we like to discuss so often on the show, letting kids make kids size mistakes. Falling down and scraping your nose teaches you humility, right? I mean, mm -hmm. 
and I'm using proverbial falling down, scraping your nose. There are lots of ways that children fall down and have to get back up and learn that they're just not as hot stuff as maybe they thought they were. (laughs) You know, I think at this point in my life, when I think of people who I truly respect, genuine, authentic humility with the right balance of pride, Mm -hmm. uh, all of those individuals have it. And they very well could talk for a very long time on different opportunities, achievements throughout their entire life. But they don't. I mean, they Mm -hmm. do in the right context. Mm -hmm. And I also think that's one of the reasons why they can connect and move so many initiatives and programs along because mm-hmm. they, they figured out uh, to have that, that that healthy mix. Yeah, I think you're touching on a real, that relationship piece mm-hmm. of this and that there's a fine line between competent and arrogant or confident and arrogant. Mm-hmm. There again, how is that learned? Oftentimes you learn by messing up and you say something and you sound, oh, wow, I sounded like an egotistical jerk. I'll never say that again. I won't do that again. You know, my mom learned by messing up not to say, and, yeah, and I know I look good. she remembers at her age <laughs> right. now. You know, that that exactly. was a teachable moment that worked. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So she fell on her face. She made a kid-sized mistake. It wasn't the end of the world, but she learned and she's carried that with her. And I think that's all how we learn. Another point that a colleague made that I just, I really appreciated this point. In teaching his kids, he said, you know, I just think we need to help our kids understand that the talents that they have are gifts mm-hmm. that have been given to them. And like with any gift, you re-gift it. Any gift that you have, you also give away, right? That's part of having gifts as you gift to other people. And so my gifts are not helping my children understand that the gifts they have, the talents they have, the good that they make or get, those are blessings from God. And not for their sole benefit, but to serve other people. And I just, I love, love, love that thought. So again, we can be confident in our gifts because we know who gave them to us and we know they're given to us for a purpose, but how do we keep it in perspective so that it's not all about us? Again, I just, C.S. Lewis's phrase, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less often. And uh, these are just a few ways that we can start being a little bit more aware, potentially. Maybe some of us already are aware, but um, I know for me, I just, I really want to be aware of humility and, and what am I doing to intentionally grow it in myself and the people that I'm around. And now that you heard Dr. Rhoda say that, you understand why she is able to do so many things that she does. <laughs> Ditto. Our goal in Five to Thrive is to equip and support educators and parents as they help each child develop to his or her full God-given potential. So here are five key takeaways from this episode on humility. Number one, for starters, reflect on what humility is, a modest opinion or estimate of one's importance or rank. So really think about what is humility. Number two, know all of the benefits of humility. And there are an awful lot of them. Today we touched on five of them, all really good products of humility. Number three, reflect on someone in your life who you think really demonstrates humility. Uh, Number four, now it's your turn. It's your turn to take that learning and put it into action by modeling humility. Uh, to students and to those around you. And number five, let's leave once again with C.S. Lewis's thought, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but rather thinking of yourself less often. Thanks for taking the time to learn with us. 
Let us know how you're doing. If you have questions, challenges, or successes you want to share, please let us know through the comment section of our website. May your week be blessed.